Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 122 of Soccer New Rock in America, featuring you know who. Hello. Yeah, that's my kid, Person New, my 10 year old daughter who helps me co host the show. She lifts the real weight around here, and she's the whole reason for that. Uh, Jack Black esque at best, uh, scatter you here in the background. That was done as a joke just to see if I could uh, get her to laugh. She held it in for a full solid minute and just about had something she drinking coming out of her nose, if memory serves. Anyway, I hope you're a little bit entertained by it and as well as you will be for the show. What have you gotten yourself into if you're brand new? Well, to start off, the main spine of the show is that we do many previews of matches from all over the world. Which ones? Well, only the best, the brightest, the most intriguing Paramount matches from all over the world. And all that descriptive is to say simply, it is as we define that. We're going to hit some big matches from some big events and some big leagues, but we're also going to be visiting some confederations that most shows won't cover, at least here out in the Western Hemisphere, and uh, matches that certainly no other podcast is covering. Our rule is, if it's important being where it's being played, there's a really good chance that it's on our radar. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches uh, dating from Friday, the 10th of February, through Thursday, the 16th. And then in our uh, three bonus matches that come in the end, our route of the week, normally the first of those bonus matches, we've saved it for third because we invited back for the second time a very special guest to help us preview the match that you voted in for the route of the week. Soccer Noob USA, by the way, is my Twitter, and you can vote for our polls there. We'll cover that again a little bit later on, but we can't get to the big shiny interview without first getting to some of the other match previews. Let's kick it right off with... Match number one! All right, let's get globetrotting. We head to the other side of the world, at least from the States here. Say hello to the Australian A-League women, the top flight for the gals there, where there are 11 teams in the league, and the top four are going to make what is called the finals series, a fancy name for the playoffs at the end of the year. Now, quick reminder, with Asia, the AFC, there is currently no permanent large AFC Champions League. So, That level of stakes doesn't happen to be evolved with this particular league. But, hey, this is a uh, top two matchup in the league. The stakes are plenty high enough for us to look at. And the AFC has been doing some smaller sort of Champions League type events on and off the last few years. Here's to hoping that these gals will be playing for a true full-fledged international berth sooner rather than later. In this case, we're talking about number one Western United playing host to current second place Melbourne City. They're just over halfway through the season there. 
And they played earlier in Melbourne proper. It was Western. They had a resounding road win, one to three. And we will talk about them first, as is our tradition, since they are hosting. If you're not familiar with this club, don't worry. It could be because they are brand spanking new. This is their first year in existence. They play in the Melbourne suburb of Truganina. And they currently sport a very well-balanced team statistically, top two offense and defense. Offense is particularly impressive. They're getting over two and a quarter goals on average per match. And we've got some great USA connections here if you're looking for an extra reason to root for somebody. The number one league scorer is theirs to boast of, and that is USA product striker Hannah Keane. She is also in top 10 in the league in assists and a top five player overall metrically. She started her career in the WPSL here in the States with the San Diego Sea Lions. Not entirely sure that's a professional or at least fully professional league or team, but I know that here stateside she also spent some time, I believe primarily with the reserve team for the Boston Breakers, a team formerly a part of the NWSL the top flight here in the United States for the gals. The longest stint of her career was over in Europe, actually. She spent that with Braga over in Portugal. And then another USA connection, but we don't need the excuse, as I believe she is the number one goalkeeper in the league. She's got five clean sheets, Hillary Beal, and she is also their vice captain. She also sports a top three save percentage at 75. Uh, she made some rosters uh, for the uh, U.S. WNT, but she's never actually appeared on the pitch for them, I don't believe. Oh, and I see in my notes that wasn't at the senior level even. That was at the youth level. She's essentially here on loan. She is going to be uh, with or back with Louisville City of the NWSL come April. And then one more USA connection I want to point out. This is another gal who actually plays for Louisville City and is making a little extra quan down under. That is forward Jessa McDonald. NWSL fans should be very familiar with her. Uh, During the uh, not-too-far-gone halcyon days for the North Carolina Courage, 2017 through 21, when they were really on top of the league and close to it quite a bit, she played for them. And she's also made nearly 20 national team appearances since 2016. Team's current form, well, they just had a loss at home versus the eighth place team. That's Perth Glory 1-3. to So not exactly coming in hot for this one. And now Melbourne City, uh, virtually a veteran club compared to their opponents today. They were founded in 2015. Uh, They play in Melbourne sometimes and then more often than not in the southeast Melbourne suburb of Casey. I believe True Ganina, where Western is, well, given their name, is in the west part of the city. They have won the Premiership twice, or regular season, most recently 2019-20 for this league. And then if you win that final series, the playoffs, you are called the champion. And they have won that four times. They earned the double in 2020, most recently. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, just like their opponents today, very well balanced. Top three offense, top three defense. Uh, It's actually number three, Sydney FC in the table that are number one in both offense and defense. So uh, trying to grab at least a point here on the road, I think is going to be absolutely vital because Sydney FC, uh, they are for the brief history that this league has uh, the uh, perennial power and will definitely be making a play on the title. Key players to look for. They've got a gal who is tied for number four in league scoring with five, and that is Rihanna Polisina, Australian midfielder. And then tied for number five in assists with three of those is Daniela Gallic. She is a midfielder, and get this, only 16 years old. Can she even drive herself? 
to her own games yet? Does she have to have somebody, in the, an adult in the passenger seat? I'm not even sure. But I can tell you that she came out of what is known as the Football NSW Institute. So I'm glad the gals down there you know, have some infrastructure in place like that to really hone their games. But the best player they have, and I think probably the second best player in the whole league, is Amina Ikich. She is another USA gal, and I hope I'm getting the name right. It's E-K-I-C. She plays left winger for them, 23 years old, a couple of goals. Uh, she made one youth national team appearance in 2019, but really hasn't been on the radar for our WNT. And once again, she is on loan here from Louisville City. So aspiring soccer ladies, if you uh, fancy getting to spend a few months, <laughs> spending a few months in Australia every single year, apparently Louisville City is the club to go to. They must have some sort of a, a, a partnership going there. And then one other USA connection, they got a midfielder who I don't know much about, but she's there. Uh, and that is Julia Grosso. Team's current form, well, they are not exactly coming in red hot either. They, admittedly on the road and against the probable winners of the league eventually, just lost 0-3 at home to the aforementioned Sydney FC. Match number B. We slide on into Saturday for, well, essentially the last match that we were able to decide upon to make our cut. There were, There's always at least 15 matches around the world that I want to cover that are really important and intriguing, paramount where they are being played. I just couldn't decide this time. So by we, I meant Persinu. This time, she decided that match number B, and yes, you heard right, not number two. That's bathroom talk. Join the center revolution to replace it with the much more cool phrase, number B. She decided, uh, she didn't even give me a reason. She just looked at the list and said, I want to go to Mexico. I think it's because she likes the avocados from Mexico, Jingle, I catch her uh, singing that a lot. So we're headed to Liga MX, and hey, nothing wrong with staying close to home, at least for those of us here stateside in the CONCACAF region. It is early on in the 2022-23 Clausura, or closing stage. Uh, of the 18 teams, the top 12 are all going to make the playoffs at the end, and the top four will get buys straight through to the quarterfinals. The really intriguing matchup, number three, UANL Tigres. They're playing host to number five, UNAM Pumas. So your acronym and aminal. Of the table, again, we know it's fairly early, but we still want to take a look. Pachuca and Monterey are at 12. Tigres are at 11. Pumas are at eight. And they're actually part of a four-way tie. Uh, for that number of points. So there's still a lot of settling to do. There's no such thing as a small match when you break up what in most other countries, like say in Europe, would be a full-length season and break it down into two separate stages. Tigres have had the best of it in recent years. They've accrued a 17-9 and 7 record over Pumas. You can catch this one on TUDN at 8.05 Eastern time here in the States. The Tigres, they play out of Monterey. The acronym, before you translate it, stands for Universidad Autonoma de Nuevo León. Ugh. Well, at least they didn't choose Lions for their mascot. It's interesting that they're in Nuevo León and yet went with Tigres. Good on them. They have won seven league titles in the past. 2019 Clausura was the last one. And then the next year, they actually won the CONCACAF Champions League. They've also got to participate in the primarily South American tournament, the Copa Libertadores, their version of the Champions League. They finished in second place in that in 2015. Oh, 
also 2020, before I forget, since it's also going on. And we'll touch base with this tournament a little later on this show. In 2020, they finished in second place in the FIFA Club World Cup. Last stage, the 2022-23 Apertura, they finished in fifth place of the regular season. Uh, won around, made the quarterfinals, and then they lost. Uh, this stage, they are one of the three remaining undefeated, undefeated teams, and they are the highest in the table of those. That's right. The two teams above them both have losses already. Uh, the defense is really uh, where they are shining. They've only given up two goals in five matches. They've got a top four offense to go with that and the number one goal differential. If they could just muster a little bit of offense, I think this is a team that could take the regular season. On the defensive side, you've got a key player in Nahuel Guzman, Argentinian veteran, 36 years old, goalkeeper with an astounding 86% save rate. That, as you would imagine, is number one in the league, and he's been here for a long time, all the way back since 2014. But I think as far as their outfield players and maybe overall their best player, third best in the league statistically at what I look at is Luis uh, Quinones. He is a Colombian right winger who already has three goals plus an assist to go with that. Other than that, he's just very well-rounded. He's solid on his interceptions, so he's tracking back on defense. He's a pretty darn good passer, especially for the position. Just no real statistical weaknesses, and you like to see that kind of thing for players in key positions like winger. Team's current form, well, they just beat number 17, Cruz Azul, 1-0, and that snapped a streak of two straight draws, which are the reason they're probably not number one in the league right now. And then Pumas, they are Club Universidad Nacional and are considered at least in terms of support, if not in overall uh, international or even domestic trophies, when they are considered one of the big four. They play in the Mexico City metro area in uh, University City, Ciudad Universitaria, uh, which basically is in a southern borough. Uh, the name of that is Cayoa Can. They've won the league title seven times. It's just been over a decade since the last one, though. They've also won what is now considered the CONCACAF Champions League three times. Those were all back in the 1980s. The current league season in the Apertura stage, they did not have a very nice time finishing all the way down in 16th place. It's a good thing there's still no relegation right now for Liga MX. The offense and defense are both pretty average, to be honest. The offense is a little bit better. They're getting almost two goals per match. They've only got a top six goal differential. So all signs point to the idea that they're in fifth place now and they're probably where they'll stay. If they could crack the top four and get a buy into the quarterfinals for the playoffs or Legia, as they call it there, that would really be a pretty good achievement. Key players tied for second best in league scoring with four already is Juan Dineno. He is an Argentinian center forward, and he made the league all-star team last year. Number one in goals prevented, which is a little different than save percentage. I want to do some more learning about this statistic. Uh, is their veteran uh, Uruguayan goalkeeper, Sebastian Sosa. He's a, a key part of that is, of course, save percentage. And he is number three in the league in that regard, uh, stopping 78% of shops that get through to him. Team's current form, they have only managed draws in their last two matches. 
Match number three. Off to Germany we go. We like to cast a very wide net for our matches. I remember just a week or two ago, we saw the final in Papua New Guinea. But that doesn't mean that we're going to ignore the big leagues just because other shows are covering those. We want to let you know where all the high-stakes matches are. And the German Bundesliga has got a big one. Bayern are in first place. But they're not exactly running away with the league, which, is, by the way, is ranked number three in all of UEFA. So that makes this matchup between current number four, Red Bull Leipzig, and number B, Union Berlin, a really, really great and important matchup. Uh, uh, not getting any points, a true loss here for Leipzig would be a serious downer for them in the table. Let's take a look at that. In fact, Bayern are sitting at 40 points. Union Berlin, just a point behind at 39. Borussia Dortmund, 37. Red Bull, your home team today, 36. And then Frankfurt at 35. So we've got a lot of teams that are going to end up playing a round of musical musical chairs for those four Champions League bursts that are going to be awarded to this league. When the two teams played earlier this season, Union Berlin defended their home turf well with a 2-1 victory. The series between the two in recent seasons has been just a touch more Red Bull, though. Leipzig have accrued a 6-1-5 and record. You can pay witness to this one at 12.30 Eastern Time here in the U.S. ESPN on Saturday. Red Bull, Leipzig, that city has got about 600,000 people in the city proper, metro of about a million. So the east central part of the country, both these teams are actually, not that they're overly close together. And while they're, the, their opponents today may be Berlin or Union Berlin, this city is considered the, quote, New Berlin, end quote, and is the fastest growing German city and becoming a real serious economic force and more importantly, maybe a cultural hub. It's a fairly new club founded in 2009. Twice they have finished in second place in the league already, but Bayern, as you would imagine, have kept them from the title. They most recently managed that two seasons ago. They've never finished below sixth place, so quite an impressive start for their history. 2019-20, they made the Champions League semifinal, in fact. They're about to play in the Champions League round of 16, but boy, do they have a tough opponent. Manchester City, currently second place in the Premier League. Last year in league, they finished in fourth place here. This year seems to be a theme going very well balanced. Second best offense, third best defense. This is a fairly high scoring league. They actually give up one and a quarter goals per match. So they're really going to have to keep cranking out the offense to stay in the top four. Their goal differential, which I consider a key metric, says that they should be able to stay there. They are second best in the league in that particular regard. Second best scoring player with 12 in the league is Christopher Nkuku from France. He is a striker, although we will not be getting to see him at this particular match. He is not expected back from his knee injury until later here in February. So their offense, what they will get, should come at the feet of their next best scorer with five on the air, Timo Werner, German striker. This is the second particular stint with this team, and then in between he spent a couple of seasons with Chelsea. Uh, and it's all but official, in fact, that he'll be going back to Chelsea in July of 2023. He's not on loan, I don't believe, from Chelsea, but making that move once again for some reason. Second best in assists in the league with eight is Dominic Soboslai, Hungarian attacking midfielder, 22 years old. I've mentioned him before. It's only uh, taken me about six times saying his name without practice to, I think, get it right with those mysterious silent Zs in there that usually throw me off.
He came over here uh, through the Red Bull pipeline. He played for the big team over in Austria, Salzburg. He's been linked to a move to Liverpool, though. I haven't seen anything that says that's exactly close to official yet. I'm sure there are other teams with their eye on him. And he's made 28 national team appearances, by the way, in Hungary since 2017. And then looking at some other statistics, key players to look for, they've got the third most accurate passer in the league. And I really want to point out players like this because I think other shows maybe don't concentrate quite so much on guys like this. Talking in this case about Josko uh, Gavardiol. He is a Croatian center back, just 21 years old, but he's already made nearly 20 national team appearances for his home country. Uh, he's been linked to clubs like Man City and Real Madrid, but probably most closely with Chelsea. And it sounds like if and when he makes that move, the transfer fee is going to be just shy of $100 million. Euros. Talk about good work if you can get it. Not that he'll pocket all of that, but I'm sure he'll get a slice somehow. And we do have a USA connection here. He doesn't currently play for them, but 19-year-old U.S. midfielder Caden Clark is part of their organization. Last year, he played on loan for New York Red Bulls. I believe he's going to do the same this year, although so far this year, for some reason, I'm seeing his loan officially as with uh, as being with the Red Bulls reserve team. I think he's good enough to play for the senior squad. He has made 11 national team appearances for America since 2021. This team's current form, <laughs> hard to believe they're not a little bit higher in the table. They are unbeaten in 21 consecutive matches across friendlies and all competitions. And now Union Berlin looking to put an end to that streak. It'll be tough to do on the road. Their best top flight finish back way before it was called the Bundesliga was second place, and that was in 1923. So happy 100th birthday to the last time that you were the first loser, Union Berlin. Oh, maybe that was mean. Last year, they did get to play in the Europa Conference League. This year, they are playing in the Europa League, and those are their only two modern-era European apps. And by modern-era, I basically mean from like 2002 or 2003 onward. They're still alive in the Europa League. Uh, they have a chance to make the knockout round if they can get past Ajax. That is their playoff round opponent out of the Netherlands. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, the offense is not what's really keeping them afloat. One and three quarters goals per match isn't bad, but you got to do better than that in Germany. They do have the second best defense, giving up just a little bit less than one and a quarter goals per match. But you put it all together, they've only got the number six goal differential. I would love, I love seeing fresh blood. I would love to see them make the Champions League, but I think the Europa League is going to be more their speed probably once again. Heartily disagreeing with me, I'm sure, would be Geraldo Becker. He's on the scoring leaderboard in the Bundesliga with seven. He officially represents for the country of Suriname and plays center forward for them. He's also got four assists on the year, by the way, so this is a really key player. Uh, he actually played for uh, the Netherlands, I believe, where he is born at the youth NT level before realizing he wasn't necessarily going to uh, break in as a regular starter. So he switched over to Suriname. And actually, so far, you know, this might be more a product of how few international matches they play than anything else. But he's only made five appearances even for Suriname since 2021. 
But the best player they have going, in my opinion, another Dutch player, uh, Danilio Doki, D-O-E-K-H-I, uh, plays center back for them, just 24 years old. Four goals and an assist. Uh, you can't really say he plays like a wingback, but he certainly likes to push forward when you're getting those kind of offensive stats. Not that he is lax on defense. He's a good passer tackler and he gets a really high clearance rate so this is a guy with some serious uh, short-term bursts of speed they've also got the number one goalkeeper in terms of save percentage in the league at nearly 80 and that is frederick runau from denmark who has also played for schalke 04 and frankfurt over here in germany and then we have yet another usa connection these are always fun to find playing striker for them is jordan Pifok. I thought he'd had a few more of these, but he's made almost double-digit uh, U.S. men's national team appearances since 2021. Last year, he had one heck of a year over in Switzerland, cutting his teeth. Uh, that used to be a top 10 leaguer pretty close back when I first started following football. It's a little bit lower uh, down the rankings in Europe now, but still, he won their Golden Boot Award, had the most goals with 22 for League Powerhouse Young Boys of Bern over there. Team's current form, 11 straight wins across friendlies and all competitions. Match number four. Trophy match time. We're headed to the final of the FIFA Club World Cup, which is being hosted in Morocco. The final will specifically be in Rabat. I believe that the bronze medal match is taking place in Tangier. If you're not overly familiar with this event, it is the sixth confederation champions from last year from around the world, plus an additional one typically from the host country for a nice even seven. Hey, they make it work. Your final is going to be between Real Madrid, the European champions and heavy favorites, versus surprise entrant Al-Hilal from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They upset Flamengo from Brazil, one of the big teams over there, in the semifinal. Those are considered the two best confederations, so good on Asia for getting an entrance into the final. But that's all we're going to have for this particular match because we see a prime opportunity to make some money on this one. We want to know exactly how it's going to go. And to do that, we cheat. We turn to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Is he on site? Is he on the Thracian plains of Greece ready to play Oracle? We will find out right now. Take it away, please, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from Rabat, Morocco. I'm in a 17th century mansion-turned-restaurant, one of the finest in all the world. Le Dinarjat is not to be missed on any trip to the capital city. Lest you be jealous, I'm not here merely to dine, though I will feast on the traditional Moroccan delicacies, make no mistake. But as you can hear, I'm in the kitchen, and the work here is far too important for me to be all toked up on lotus leaf, per my usual appearances. Centuries ago, I traveled with Sephardic, or Spanish or Iberian, Jews, if you prefer. A minion found Narabat, a fine landing spot, and they brought their cuisine with them. I am visiting to ensure that they are still making pastilla, a stuffed pastry delight, the traditional way. Please, put away the kitchen, Moha chicken, Mohammed. Uh, the, no, no, the other, you, you keep the... Gah! Whomever. Uh, we're doing the traditional pigeon filling today. Mohammed, 
I get the... I don't care which, we just need it out. Seven Muhammads are in here. I don't know how to keep it all straight. Uncooked pigeon, Muhammad. Yes, go get the pot-boiled stuff I asked you to make yesterday. Any of you? Uh, traditionally, noob, this is a twice-cooked dish. Pot-boil the ingredients, then oven-cook it with the filo-liked dough. The meat's been boiled with celery and parsley, and now we brown it with... Darn it, Muhammad's! Yes, I'm just going to speak to you collectively. We're doing this kosher with olive oil for browning the meat. At least they got the egg mixture with cinnamon and sugar right. Wow, they're even remembering to crush toasted almonds. Not the soft ones for chicken dishes. Outstanding, Muhammad's. Noob, we're going to bake all this in two margarine-soaked layers of the thin dough. Often, these are appetizer-sized, but entree-sizes what we've done here. Oh, uh, since we will enjoy this with fresco you sent, a uh, soccer score is due. Um, oh, uh, sure, the seven Mohammeds came through today, uh, so I believe Real Madrid will win 7-0. to zero. I have seen, I have spoken, and I am famished. Match number five. This may seem a strange inclusion since we're skipping over the Champions League and Europa League this week being that the round of 16 matches are all in the first leg of the home and away two-legged ties. But we just couldn't help ourselves. We love any excuse to go over to Africa and check things out. The event proper for the African Champions League is just starting. The group stage, they're down to that. There were two qualifying rounds heading into this. Most of the teams had to play in the first qualifying round. Six best teams in Africa, they got to skip and start in the second qualifying round. Now, there are 16 teams left alive. Four groups of four is what they have been divided into. They will each play a home and away double round robin, and the top two from each group will advance to the knockout stage. The one we're going to look at looks to be the most competitive one for this particular week, Horoya versus Simba. If you look at the rankings for the 16 teams Ordinarily, these two are right next to each other in terms of points that they've earned the last, I think, four or five years in international competition. Now, as I mentioned, only six teams got to skip the first qualifying round. To lend you some perspective, these two particular teams were amongst the very best, I think third and fourth best, that had to play in the first qualifying round. So consider them borderline top 10 teams. Let's talk about Haroya first. They play out of the nation of Guinea and the capital city of Conakry. The name Haroya in both local language and Arabic means freedom and liberty, respectively. So pretty cool there. Uh, the Guinea League, League One is what the top flight is called. It is ranked number 10 out of all the league associations in Africa. And Haroya, yeah, if you follow international ball, this is a name that is familiar to you because they are the seven-time defending league champions. Twice they've been as far as the quarterfinal in this event. Last time they got that far was 2018-19. So looking to get over that hump and a little bit further this time. Uh, when they entered the first qualifying round, they actually didn't have to play. Uh, they were supposed to play a team from Gambia called Hawks 
FC, but for financial reasons, they decided to withdraw. And then in the second round for the Ivory Coast, pretty good team, regular appearance here, uh, ASEC Mimosas. They beat them two to one on aggregate. They've got a really good draw, by the way, appearing in this particular group. Uh, both of these teams have to think that they could crack the top two. Neither of them is the favorite in there, but the the last place team from pot one that got drawn into this group is in this group. And then the bottom seed, the number 16 seed overall, is also in this group. So they couldn't have asked for a better draw for the best and worst teams on paper in this particular group. They're about halfway through their league season, and that's a good barometer for how they're performing. And they are in first place currently. The offense, well, it's not a high-scoring league. Uh, They're getting one and a half a game. That's good for second best. But they've got the best defense by a mile. They're giving up less than a goal every three matches on average. Yeah, they'll be back next year more than likely. Team's current form, well, they just beat uh, number 10 in their league, a team called uh, Sequence, Nil four on the road, and that snapped a two-match losing streak. And now Simba, that means lion, and they have a lion on their crest. This is not something that is my favorite mascot, as longer-time listeners will know, because it seems like every third team in the world has that as their darn nickname. But you know what? If you went so far as to actually name your club Simba, Lion, all right, maybe you get a pass. They play out of uh, Dar es Salaam, which is not the capital, but it is the biggest uh, city in the country of Tanzania, about 6 million people there. They play out of the district of Kariaku, which I thought was a really cool uh, local language word uh, the last time I ran into it. But it turns out uh, it's just their pronunciation of Carrier Corps from back when the Brits had a lot of military folks here. The city is known for its huge market that spans several city blocks. This is a bucket list place for me. The Premier League of Tanzania is ranked number 11 of all league associations in Africa. This team qualified for the by finishing in second place in their league last year. They had won four straight titles before young Africans beat them out last year. Uh, For the events, they've got a guy with two goals already. A key guy to look for, Moses Fury. He is from Zambia, plays forward for them. 2020-21 Champions League, they made the quarterfinals. That is the best they have ever done. Uh, They advanced out of the second qualifying round this year over a very good team out of Angola, Primero de Augusto, and they beat them handily, 1-4 on aggregate. In their league season this year, they are currently in second place, and the season's about two-thirds of the way through. Number one offense by a lot, getting uh, almost two and a half goals per match and uh, only giving up two goals every three matches on average per season. Yeah, this is a historical powerhouse from there. They will be back again next year. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 15 and have won three straight matches. Some weeks I wonder if I would even remember to give you a recap of last week's matches if the kitties were not demanding them. Thank goodness for the felines. All right, let's take a look. Friday last week, match number one from the Scottish Championship, the second division, number one, Queen's Park versus number B, Air United. It was Queen's Park getting a 2-0 win. No change in the table there, just a widening of the lead for the leaders. Saturday, match number B from the FIFA Club World Cup second round. We have Seattle Sounders getting an early start on their leave season, so to speak, versus All Ailey, the Giants from Africa. And it was All Ailey that advanced 0-1. Match number three from 
the Bundesliga. Top flight in Germany, number four, Dortmund taking on number five, Freiburg. Dortmund absolutely dropped the hammer with a 5-1 win. That moved them all the way up to third place. Knocked Freiburg down into sixth place. Match number four from the National Soccer League of Papua New Guinea. Yes, one of the podcasts going there but us. We had Hikari United and Vai uh, City. Both of them have already qualified for the next Oceanic Football Championship or uh, Champions League, rather. But this was for the trophy. And it was Lye City uh, holding them to a 1-1 draw in the regular and added time. And then they won the title 3-5 on penalty kicks. Match number five from the African Nations Championship Final. Algeria versus Senegal. It was another one that had to go to penalty kicks. They played to a nil-nil draw. And then Senegal won 4-5 on PKs. Sunday match number six from the era the VCA in the Netherlands, number one Feyenoord. Played host to number three, PSV Eindhoven. PSV got knocked down to number four after their 2-2 draw. Match number seven from Italy, Serie A. Number B, Inter Milan, taking on number five, AC Madan in the Derby della Madonnina and Inter. It was only 1-0, but I gathered that they were pretty dominant. Arturo Martinez, that we said to look out for, had a goal. And another key player that we mentioned, Hakan Kalhanoglu, he had an assist. This knocked AC Milan down to sixth. Match number eight from the Lebanese Premier League for the title. Number three, Nejma took on number five, Borsch. There was a three-way tie at the top here in the last match of the championship round. The two of them played to a 1-1 draw. That was good enough to move Nejma up into second place. Time will tell if they get knocked back down to third place when the second place team actually plays their last game. Wednesday, match number nine from Colombia's Primera A 2022 final is Deportivo Pereira and Atletico Nacional, but it turned out that this thing, it was a Super Cup, and we hate Super Cups, so I didn't even check the result. We didn't give it a real preview. Match number 10, once again from the Netherlands, this time their FA Cup called the KNVB Cup, round of 16. We had a pair of Division Three teams for our minnow-watching pleasure. Spakenberg taking on Katwijk, and it was Spakenberg taking a penalty kicks 4-1 after a 1-1 draw from the 90 minutes. Guy we said to look for, and the only guy we can name from this team, quite frankly, Flores Vanderlinden had the goal for the home side. And then the bonus matches with explanations to be coming later. Your route of the week result from the Czech Republic first league was... Uh, had number 16, part of BC, taking on number one, Slavia Prague. No surprise. Not a total route, though. Prague won it nil two. Stanislav Teschel had an assist on one of the goals. The most meaningless match of the world, Saturday, from the Swiss Super League, number seven, Grasshopper. At number six, the underwhelming this year, and surprisingly so, Basel. It was uh, Basel came out of the losing end again. Grasshopper took it 1-0, but it took the whole game basically and then some for it to be decided. Guy that we said to look for for Grasshopper uh, scored the game-winning goal in the 94th minute. That was Hayo Kawabi. These two switched positions in the table. And then finally, your match of disappointed, the Saturday match from the Super League in India. Number 11, Northeast United, took on number 10, Jamshedpur. And no real surprise here, Northeast United are truly the worst team the league. John Shapur managed a nil two road win. Uh, the most disappointing player on their team, John Shapur's goalkeeper, Rahenesh TP, actually made a couple of saves. Good on him. Northeast United didn't get a lot of shots on target. No change in the table for these two. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Let's get back into digging into the upcoming week's matches with...
Match number six. Our final Saturday match takes us from a big old Champions League to a microstate over in Europe. We've been here before. We're revisiting San Marino, where the top flight is called the Campionato. If you're not too familiar, San Marino, just as a reminder, is a tiny little enclave state of about, oh, I want to say 30,000 people in uh, northwest Italy, more or less. As you would guess by their size alone, they are ranked very last in the UEFA coefficients. Uh, I mean, there's just not much of a population base there to draw from. They can hardly be blamed. Their winner will get to go to the Champions League, but they will almost certainly have to start all the way back at the preliminary round of qualification, which is four little teams that will have a mini playoff tournament to determine which one of them, I believe, moves forward into the real qualification rounds. That's the way I'm going to phrase it. I believe that the second and third place finishers will get to go both to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup, number one, Cosmos versus number B, La Florita. A glance at the table shows one heck of a race. Hey, that's why we're here. Cosmos, 40 points. La Florita sitting two back at 38. Trey Fiori, a perennial power there at 37. Worth noting, by the way, that Trey Fiori have a match in hand on the other two. So it's going to be really critical for either of these teams to get at least a point to probably stay afloat with Trey Fiore once they catch up on matches played. When these two played earlier this season, La Florida defended their home pitch, getting a 2-0 win. The real story this year in this country and league is Cosmos, though. There's no relegation out of the San Marino League, and this team is grateful for that because they finished in last place last year, and yet here they are, sitting in rarefied air at number one. They play out of the uh, Castello, or district, of uh, Cerevale, which is right on the edge of the Apennine Mountains in the far north of this country. Uh, if you know Italian geography at all, it's about six miles from the city of Rimini. Uh, they have about 10,000 people there. It's the most densely populated part of the country. And the name is not a coincidence, American fans. If you're a fan of the old New York Cosmos, you've got an extra reason to root for this club because that is who they are named for. They've actually won the league title once before, but it's been just over 20 years. Uh, one, the very next year, 2001-2002, they got to play in what is now called the Europa League in the qualifying round. And I believe that's the only international appearance they have ever made. So nice that they're looking for another one. This year in the league, they're dominating. Number one offense, the only team scoring over two goals per match, and they're only giving up a half a goal every uh, every match on average. Key player to look for, tied for number one, and no, by himself, number one league leading scorer now with 12 is Matteo Prandelli, an Italian player, as a lot of the players are, as you would imagine. Give you a little bit of perspective on the type of players that are in this league. They, they do serious work to get a lot of uh, San Marino natives in the league, and they do that. Most of the rest of their players are Italian. This guy started his career with Como FC, which I believe right now is in the second division in Italy, but was in Serie C uh, back when he played for them. And then 2012 through uh, 23, or was it 13? I don't know if it was one year or 10 years. I don't trust my notes here, but he played for a, a, a mid-run club in Albania's top flight called Kukesi. So that's the kind of level you're playing at if you're one of the best players in this particular league. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 14 matches and have won three straight. And now La Florita, they play out of the Castello of 
Monte Giardino, which is in the far southeast of the country. Less than a thousand people there. And yet this is where the country's only university is. They are six-time league winners and are your defending champions, so the road will not be quite as daunting for them as it would be for a lot of it, uh, a lot of teams. Their international experience, well, in 2017-18 of the Champions League, they actually earned a draw, nil-nil, against Linfield from Northern Ireland. The top flight there is a semi-professional league. It's one of the few that this one can probably compete with. 2021-22 Europa Conference League, they actually got a goal and another draw. The only time they've ever scored internationally against Berker Kara from the Maldives. Or no, not the Maldives, rather. Malta, I should say. Uh, this year, they lost in the Champions League perennial, uh, preliminary round, and then they went on and to lose 0-10 on Agra in the Europa Conference League to Balkani from Kosovo, which is a real up-and-coming little, uh, I don't want to say power, that might be putting it too far, but for a country the size of Kosovo, uh, they've really been getting it done the last couple, three years. Uh, this team, the offense, it's not that great. They're getting less than a goal and a half per match. but They've got tied for the number one defense. Overall, the number four goal differential. I don't think that they're going to repeat this year. But everything is so close in that match in hand. I think it's going to be a fascinating race to follow. Time for the team, tied for the team lead in scoring with four is Enrico Bartolini, an Italian who is 41 years old. I don't see many of those in top flights, no matter what the size of the country is. Uh, he played uh, for a time in Liga Pro 2, which I believe uh, is or was the fourth tier. I think it's now called Serie D o- over in Italy. And then also with four goals is Danilo Rinaldi, an Italian player, midfielder, another 36-year-old. I think when they get uh, their homegrown players are probably very young, and then the Italian and other European players that they get are on the tail end of their careers, just looking for one more uh, season in the sun, so to speak. Teams current form, they're 2-2-0 in their last four and have won two straight matches. Match number seven. And believe it or not, not only did that finish off our Saturday, but our weekend as well. I'm not sure we've ever had this before, especially during a busy part of the worldwide soccer calendar year. None of the worldwide matches on Sunday were quite shiny enough to make our final 10. Now, just to give you a little bit into how the sausage gets made, you heard Person Noob earlier talk about how she picked that Mexican match for our 10th one to make our particular cut. Here are some of the Sunday matches that I at least want you to be aware of. A little uh, extra credit or homework, if you will. You do have a top five matchup in Spain going on, number one versus number five. Uh, one that very nearly got included was probably number 11 on our list, uh, Slovakia. Their top two teams, they're only separated by three points. Normally, I like to hit those if it's three points or less, but cuts have to be made. Uh, in the nation of uh, Mauritius, The top two are only three points apart. Switzerland, you've also got a top two matchup from a fairly big league there in the Super League, but uh, young boys are running away with it. They're 14 points ahead of everybody else, so uh, we'll probably catch up with them and pay a little homage later in the season. So what other matchups are we going to be talking about? Well, 
Monday, we have a match from the Scottish FA Cup. Uh, this is their knockout bracket tournament, the big win over there. The Scottish Cup is in its fifth round or round of 16. In that event, teams from uh, the top flight all the way down, I believe, to at least the sixth level get to play. The winners will get a spot in next year's Europa League. And your matchup from the sixth tier, still alive, amazingly, and the reason we're here, doing our minnow watching, seeing what giants they can slay, Darvell, and they are playing host to a team called Falkirk. Let's learn a little bit about both. Neither one of these is our top flight teams, in fact, but Darvell, wow, they play uh, out of a league that is nowhere near fully professional. I believe the players get some kind of stipend in season. It's called the West of Scotland League, which is several different leagues or divisions. They play in the top one, the Premier. Uh, no other team, by the way, below the fourth tier or League Two in Scotland is left alive in the tournament. So these are very much outliers. This is a pretty new club. It was founded in 2020. And actually, Darvell won it last year, but it doesn't look like uh, there was any promotion happening at that point. Or it's possible they might have lost a playoff of some kind with uh, another team from the league level one up. I didn't find any official record of that, but that is often the case. 2019-20, they were named co-winners of the COVID-shortened season in the West Region Championship. Oh, by the way, I mentioned that the club earlier was founded in 2020. I want to apologize. The league was founded in 2020. The club has been around a little bit longer. Founded in 1889. I was only off by a century, and here in America even, that's an especially long time. Hopefully the Scottish ones will forgive me. They play out of Ayrshire in the southwest, a city of about 4,000 people. Ayrshire is the county. Uh, the east end of the Irvine Valley is where they're located, and colloquially there it is known as Langtoon or Longtown. If you know Scotland at all, it's about 10 miles east of uh, Kilmarnock is the name of the town. This is an area with some historical uh, famousness, if that's a word to it. It's an uh, area associated with William Wallace. It is said that he died there in battle, or I thought it was his father. I need to do a better job with my notes. But Robert the Bruce, who uh, sort of took over things, I believe, for William Wallace after he did die, also won a battle in this area. One other thing that it used to be famous for up until the 1970s was Darvell Lace. It was considered amongst the best and prettiest in the world and was especially exported to the Far East and places like India. But now the textile uh, industry in this area is all but shut down as the areas of the world they were exporting to now produce their own. Uh, Darvell Park, <laughs> give you an idea what the sixth tier is like, has a capacity of 2,500 but they can only put 60 butts in actual chairs. Everybody else is sitting or standing around just on the concourse or the nearby grass. I couldn't find any pictures of it, but that is tiny. 2022-23 uh, current season, they are in first place. They lead a team called Baith Juniors by two points in the table. Statistically, it is the offense that really uh, butters their bread. They're number one in that particular regard by lots, getting over three goals per match. They've got a top four defense to go with that and the number one goal differential. How did they get here? Well, last round, they had one of the greatest upsets in all of Scottish football history. They beat Division I Aberdeen at home 1-0 in round four. So congratulations to them on making it this far. You would think the Falkirk, at least on paper, isn't necessarily even as tough an opponent. But let's learn a little bit about them. 
Falkirk, that is not only the name of the club, but the city out of which they play. And uh, it's less than a half hour drive northeast of uh, uh, northwest of Edinburgh and northeast of Glasgow. Give you a little geography there. City of about 35,000. Hey, it's about the size of uh, San Marino we talked about last match. It's an area that in the past has been known for the publishing industry. A lot of book binding here of all things. This was also historically the cradle of the start of the Industrial Revolution here. A lot of iron casting took place, but that industry has largely disappeared. The club, they are known as the Bairns, or if you translate it from the Scottish, the Kids. And they play in League One, the third tier in the Scottish football pyramid. They entered this event in the third round and advanced to this one in the fourth round over a fellow league team of theirs, Alawa Athletic. They beat them one to two on aggregate. Or no, not on aggregate, in a single match on the road. Twice historically, this team has finished as runner-ups in the top flight in Scotland, but that was long before it was called the Premiership. Got to go all the way back to 1909-10 for that. And then uh, second division, they've had better luck. Seven times they've won it, and more recently in 2009-2010. So just a century apart on those. 2009-2010 season, they even got to play in the Europa League, but they lost in the second qualifying round to a team from Liechtenstein, of all places. All of Liechtenstein's teams, by the way, take part in the Swiss uh, League. Uh, they lost to FC Vaduz, easily the best team historically from there. The Scottish Cup, they have won this event twice. Last time was 1957. This year in their league, they're currently in second place. The champion will get promoted out of that league, plus one other team out of three from a promotion playoff. They currently trail number one, uh, Dunfermline Athletic, by two points. This is a team that should be right in that title race to the very end. They've got uh, a guy who is tied for second best in league scoring, and they are number one in the league in that regard, by the way. 11 goals on the year for Callum Morrison, a winger, 23 years old. Uh, he used to play for Heart of Midlothian, which usually is in the top flight, but they largely loaned him out. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven. Uh, but they did just have their six-match win streak snapped uh, with a 1-1 draw in league play at number four, Aloha Athletic. Match number eight. Onward to Tuesday, and we'll hit yet another confederation. South America, CONMEBOL, where the Copa Libertadores first stage of qualification is taking place, and specifically the second legs of the home and away two-legged ties. There are only six teams in this particular stage. The three winners of these home and away ties will join 13 other clubs in the next round. Your matchup is Nacional versus Sport Juan Cayo, and it was Juan Cayo that won the first league at home 2-1. to one. And by the way, if your cable package or satellite package runs deep enough, you can even see this one stateside, 7 p.m. Eastern time on BN Sports, and that's in English or on their Spanish language channel. Nacional, that's a fairly common name in South America for clubs. The particular one we're talking about is out of Paraguay, where the top flight is known as the Primera División. It is considered the third-ranked league in all of South America, at least according to Kick Algorithms, a site that I really like for those sorts of things. And they are just outside the top 70-ranked clubs in all of South America. As do the vast majority of the top flight teams of the country, they play out of the capital city of Asuncion, specifically in the uh, neighborhood or municipality of Obrero, which means worker. This is a uh, not well-to-do, but a very uh, a flourishing uh, blue-collar part of 
uh, I believe in the central or west central part of Asuncion. They have four major football clubs there, two or three in the top flight and another one, one or two levels down. So quite the football area. Uh, They've won their league title nine different times, but the last time was uh, a little ways back, 2013, they won the Clausura or closing stage of the two-stage seasons down there. They qualified for this particular year's Champions League as the second-best non-stage winner from the league's aggregate table last year. So let me translate. They've got the two separate seasons or stages, Apertura and Clausura. The winners automatically from both got to go, no matter how they did in the other stage. The next two best teams on aggregate also got to go. So this team got the fourth and final bid from the league, hence the reason they're having to start all the way back in this particular stage. Uh, their Apertura stage, they weren't that great. They finished in sixth place, but they did much better in the Clausura, finishing third. Statistically in the Clausura, or rather overall for the season, they were a distant number four on offense, getting one and a quarter goals per match. There's definitely a gap in ability between this team and the top three in their league. Uh, Top four defense and overall goal differential, nothing surprising there. Tied for number four in the Clausura stage on scoring with eight was Danila Santa Cruz, guy to look for. Team's current form, well, they're only one match into the 2023 Apertura stage, to be honest. And now Juan Juan Cayo, which for some reason is very difficult for me to say, even though there aren't any silent Zs like that Zoboslai's guy's name, the uh, Austrian we talked about earlier, Juan Cayo. Name of the club and the name of the city. It's in the central southwest part of the nation, about 350,000 people. It's the major center in the Peruvian Andes or Highlands area. Fifth biggest city in the country. Uh, this is the com- commercial and cultural capital of the province or state they're called uh, Junin. They are known as the Rojo Matador, the Red Matador. And yet, guess what's on their crest? Yep, it's a lion. Now, I at least want to open the door for the possibility that uh, I know the club was founded by a beer company, and it could be that they've got a lion on their main product beer label, but uh, still, could we not be a little more original, please? Fairly young club. It was founded in 2008. By the way, the Peruvian Liga won the top flight is the very last place ranked, number 10 of all the major countries down there in South America. I'm surprised when I see that because Venezuela is such a, a, a hotbed for baseball that usually I see them in last place. This is a club that's uh, fairly well outside of the top 100 as far as the rankings in Conmebol. 2012, they made their only other Copa Libertadores appearance. I might have said Champions League earlier because the abbreviation is the same, but it's called the Copa Libertadores for newer fans of the sport. And it is the exact same thing as a Champions League. The best teams from all the countries get to participate in this. Uh, They made the round of 16, the Copa Sudamericana. That's their version of the Europa League in 2020. That's typically a little bit more their speed. They qualified for this year's event of the Copa Libertadores as the fourth best team on aggregate from their league last year. Uh, They were a lot better in the first part of the 2022 season. They finished runners-up in the Apertura. They really fell off in the Clausura, though, barely finishing in the top half of the league. Uh, Their offense is where they tend to get things done. They get one and two-thirds goals per match, and that was tied for second best overall on the year. But really, if you look at their goal differential, they are who we think they are. They're the fourth best team in the country. But 
The number one score for the entire season is theirs to boast of. He scored 19 between the two stages, and that was Luis Benitez. Team's current form, well, they too are only one match into their current top flight season, but they did win that. Match number nine. Wednesday for a club match in the biggest league of them all, the English Premier League, number one in all of Europe and the world. Number one, Arsenal taking on number B, Manchester City. This is going to be a Wednesday match. Quick look at the table. Arsenal sit at 50. Uh, Man City, they are at 45. And then I made a note about Manchester United, but I, not the number of points. I know it's uh, pretty darn close and the Tottenham aren't way off the pace either. You can catch this match at 2.30 o'clock Eastern time on Peacock. And largely because every podcast out there is going to be talking about this match, that's all you're going to get from us. And now it's time for... Aminals! Aminals! <laughs> Aminals from Am- around the world. Aminals. Aminals. That's right. Do we are, are we getting close to having a theme song ready? Kind of. <laughs> well, we're showing interest in having a theme song, aren't we? I see now that we've started recording our segment that not one but uh, two, both of your kitty cats, have decided to uh, join us. Do you think they're joining us because they're we're talking about aminals, or is it because you just got home from school? Uh, aminals. You think so? Are these cats endangered? Yes. <laughs> well, there's only two in the house, but otherwise I don't think they're endangered. <laughs> so, here in England, what kind of critically endangered animal are we going to talk about? The greater mouse-eared bat. Ooh, mouse-eared? Well, that sounds cute, but by the same token, bat sounds kind of icky or maybe a little bit scary at the very least. Uh, do you find bats scary? Uh, no. No? Have you ever seen a bat up close? I don't think I have. No. Yeah, me neither. I might have, like, seen some flying overhead, like, seen the shapes of them in the dark, but that'd be about it. So, in the United Kingdom, how are they doing? Uh, there's only one that possibly lives there. That's a very specific number. Just one? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I see in your notes here, one, uh, in 2020, there was a group that had been tracking them and said that they could only be sure that there was one left. If there are any other ones, where are they coming from? Uh, Continental Europe. Okay, so they might like fly over from France or something. I'm a bird. <laughs> no, it's not a bird, but it has wings. So uh, where where are they doing better? Because I know it's not critically endangered everywhere. Uh, it's doing like really well in Central and Southern Europe. And how big are the groups that you can find if you were to see them over in those areas? Uh, you can find them from 200 to 4,500 bats. Okay, I'm just going to say at 4,500 bats, seeing that many of just about any animal at once, that would be scary, would it not? It would. Yeah, maybe a little bit. They might all poop on you. (gasps) All right, well, what do they look like? What can you tell us about them? Uh, They're brown or reddish brown on top, uh, dirt white or beige on bottom. Uh, Their wing membranes are brown. They have a long... A uh, broad muzzle, mouth, jaws, and nose. Oh, the, okay. The front of the face, that's the muzzle. So it's real long and real wide. Big old faces. Yeah. I wonder if that makes them cute. Maybe we'll look at some pictures before too long. What else can you tell us? Uh, it has big, long ears. Yeah, that sounds cute. Uh, it weighs up to one and a quarter pounds, making it one of the largest European bats. What would uh, What kind of animal might that be compared to as far as size? Uh, the size of a house mouse. 
I kind of tell you, I feel like, and maybe I'm thinking of American bats, maybe uh, North American bats are bigger, but that doesn't sound that big. Yet it's one of the biggest American bats. How wide did the wings get? Uh, a one and a third feet wide. Oh, wow. That's like as long as probably like my my elbow to my wrist or something, or maybe, you know, like my whole forearm or your whole forearm. That's those are long wings, wide wings compared to just a little tiny, you know, baby mouse sized body. And do they eat all the people up? No, they eat insects. Oh, they are not carnivores or omnivores. What's it called when they eat just plants? I can't remember suddenly. Herbivore. Herbivore. Thank you. Eat. Oh, wait, no, but they're carnivores because they eat insects. They just don't eat. They don't eat peoples. What kind of stuff? Uh, what kind of stuff do they eat? Uh, they eat like beetles and centipedes. Interesting. That's stuff that's on the ground. Now, a lot of bats, I feel like they, they swoop around and they make their, their high pitch noises and that not only helps them fly, but, you know, eat food that's flying around. Is that the same? Is that not the same with this kind of bat? I uh, know. Unlike other bats, it does not use echolocation to find or swoop in on play, prey. Uh, what does it do instead? Uh, the bat listens for the insects noises. Oh, so it just sits around and waits for them to give away their location and just eats them up. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not a centipede. I got to be honest. That's not a way I would want to go and be eaten by a bat, no matter how cute it might sound. So what kind of places do they live? Uh, they're mostly found in deciduous woodlands. Okay. And deciduous woodlands with those countries, I know those are the sorts of areas, especially in Southern England, where they used to be found a little bit more um, that a lot of those are getting uh, chopped down and cleared away for other stuff. That's the big threat, isn't it? Yeah. And then where do they like to roost? Uh, underground. Okay, so not typically in attics or in trees, but yeah. usually underground. And about how long do they usually live? Uh, they live three to four years typically, though they can as long as 14 years. All right. So now, even though this is an audio podcast, are you ready to look at potentially cute pictures of mouse-eared bats? Yeah. All right. Here are some pictures. <gasps> Pick a favorite and describe what you see. Oh, you like you like it when you can see it being held. That gives a little perspective, doesn't it? He's smiling and he's tiny and fuzzy and he's little happy little baby. Yeah, he looks happy. He's got a smile anyway. There's his eye. Look how far apart. Look at that. It's almost like you're looking at the bat head on. But the eye is way over here underneath the ear off to the side. So it's almost like a fish with its eyes like on one side or the other of a very long, narrow face. That that looks a, that looks a little bit weird. You know what he kind of looks like to me in his face? Mm -hmm. You know the trolls in Harry Potter that or the goblins or whatever that run the bank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it kind of looks like that, doesn't it? Kind of does. Maybe. Okay. Any other pictures we should zoom in on? Oh, oh, also, I have one more thing on that. Oh, picture. yeah, on that one. The guy holding him has a little sore on his finger right below the nail. Oh, that's probably where I the bat bit him, and now he's going to turn into a vampire. Oh, no. No. Maybe he'll turn into a bat. Then there will be two bats in England. <gasps> well, okay. Any other pictures we need to look at? They're all so cute and cuddly, and yet gross at the same time. <gasps> How dare you? I, th this is offensive. Look at this bat. <gasps> he's in the air flying around and he's got his little tiny mouth open with little bitty tiny baby looking fangs. He looks like a doggy. 
Yeah, but look at that. His all his little phalanges at the end of his feet are completely spread out just like his wings are. Oh, that's a terrifying picture. That's like nightmare fuel. Even if it is cute. It's a dog. Cute nightmare fuel. Okay, now even though they're doing okay in England, uh, is there any place in the world where they are getting helped? Are there any projects out there that are protecting these guys? Oh uh, yeah, from twenty twelve the Life Nature Project started in Central Italy. In central Italy to protect and help the bats. Okay, so there might be stuff going on in England, but the the one that we found for our notes, this Life Nature Project, is uh, probably near the Apennine Mountains. I know I, I remember reading that in like Central and Southern Europe, they hang out by the mountains a little bit more. Well, I'm glad that there is stuff going on to help these cute little guys. And because the more of them are, you know what happens? Hmm. The more of them I can eat. No, bad dad. <laughs> that's that's my new running thing I just want to save endangered animals So that I can refine my palate And expand my culinary horizons I wonder no. I wonder if anybody Eats mouse ear bats I didn't read anything about predators Of them Again the main threat was just like losing their trees and stuff So that was Aminals 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 from around the World Sure also, my cat is endangered. Not true. Yes, there's only one of him. <laughs> I don't think that's scientifically what they mean by endangered. There endanger. is only one of my cat, and his brain is bigger than mine. Okay, well, go go feed your big-brained cat, okay, while we move on with the soccer. Thank you so much, sweetheart. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Our final match of the main 10 is where I do feel compelled to say yes we say we do the most important and intriguing matches from around the world. Most would argue that this is more intriguing than quote unquote important, at least on a global scale. But we like to look at events like these. Match number 10 is another Wednesday match. The final from the Copa Catalunya or Catalonia, as we would say it over here on this side of the pond. Yeah, that region of Spain. 1903 to 1929, this was one of the most important competitions in all of Spain. This was before La Liga even existed, and the Catalonian and other regional champs all got to play each other in the Spanish Cup for the national title. But then, interesting bit of history here, the event got canceled uh, during the Francoist Spanish era, uh, era, rather, starting in 1940. They really wanted to nationalize everything, and that's essentially when uh, you started to see La Liga and probably Copa del Rey, you know, truly national competitions completely overshadow and essentially wipe out these other ones. It was restarted 44 years later, 1984, and it was called the Government Cup. Uh, only at that time, level three and completely non-professional teams were allowed to participate in, in it, though. In 1991, starting then, FC Barcelona and Espanol, another La Liga or top flight team, were allowed to play. And, of course, they started uh, dominating it. And then 1993 is when it actually started to be called the Catalonia Cup instead of the Government Cup. 2012 on, uh, Barcelona and Espanol, it was decided would no longer uh, take part in this tournament, and they still don't even today. The two of them instead play the Supercopa Catalunya. There's really no doubt that these are the two best teams in this region of Spain. So they play their own exhibition match to determine that championship, and then all the other Catalonian teams uh, get to play or try to qualify for this one.
And by the way, we didn't talk about it last year because it wasn't held because of COVID. Your finalists this year, let's get into it. FC Andorra. Yeah. Versus Badalona. And even though Andorra are listed as the home team, it's actually going to be played in Badalona Stadium. Uh, since they're listed first on paper, though, we'll talk about FC Andorra to start out. Now, Andorra does have its own top flight league, but this is easily the best one in the country. That little tiny nation state probably can't reasonably produce more than one uh, decently competitive team. Uh, back in 2018-19, they won a trophy, maybe uh, one of the only ones they've ever won, the Primera Catalana, which is a division or tier six team in the Spanish pyramid. And yet in 1994, they actually won this event and they had to beat both Barcelona and Espanol back then to do it. And they played both. I don't remember in which order, but in the semifinal and final respectively. So a fun bit of history there. They advanced to this round by beating a tier four club called UE Olot, O-L-O-T. Currently, they are in La Liga 2, the second division in Spain. This is the highest that they have ever been. They're not doing that great, to be honest, but just the fact that they're there at all is very impressive. They're in 15th place out of that very large 22-team league. They're a little better on offense than uh, defense. It's a very low-scoring league. They actually don't even give up one goal per match, and yet they're rated a little bit below average in that regard. The fact that they can even get one goal per match uh, puts them right smack dab average for this particular league. Key player to look for, tied for number four in league scoring with eight is Sinan Bakas, a Turkish central forward. Uh, he's played for Heracles over in the Netherlands, which I believe right now is a Division II team, and Admira Mudling from Austria, which is a bit of a yo-yo team from that country as well. The best player I think they have going there is Mika Marmol, a Spanish center back, just 21 years old. Now, he hasn't scored, not too uncommon for his position being a central defender, uh, does have one assist, but he is a sensational passer and an absolute stalwart. Gets a lot of pace, gets a lot of interceptions, and tracks back and makes a lot of clearances as well. This is a guy that actually was on Barcelona's radar, and he even made one senior team appearance for them at some point in his career, but he mostly played for uh, Barca Athletic, which I believe is a tier three team uh, that is one of the reserve teams for the main Barcelona club. This team's current form, they've lost four straight in league and they haven't scored in their last three. They're not entering this competition ex final exactly on fire. And now your visitors on paper, but home in your hearts, or at least geographically, Badalona, that is the third biggest city in all of Catalonia. Doesn't even put it in the top 20 in Spain, though. They've got maybe a quarter million people there. It is just to the northeast of Barcelona proper, so very much a part of that greater metro area. A lot of Pakistanis and Moroccans uh, have emigrated there, but I don't think that that's reflected in their roster. I think they probably mostly try to get players from the Catalonian region uh, for these clubs. Uh, it's an area that industrial is, uh, they're pretty well-to-do there. It's known for its micro Electronics and its robotics productions in R&D. If you're not familiar with the club name, even if you happen to be familiar with the city name, don't worry. They were known as Yagostera until last July, but then they absorbed a club called Costa Brava and at that point decided to change to the current name, simply representing the city as Badalona FC.
They play in the fourth tier in the Spanish football pyramid, the Segunda Federación, Group 3. So they should be their underdogs, but interesting to see what kind of form that they're in since FC Andorra is on a bit of a skid. They've been higher than this, by the way. 2014 through 16, they actually played in La Liga 2, and the first of those years, they finished in ninth place. Currently, they're not having a great league season. Uh, they're only in 12th place out of the 18 teams there, and a lot of teams are going to get relegated or have to fight for their relegation lives in a playoff, and they are just one step above that zone. Uh, their offense is a little bit below average for this level. They don't even get a goal per match. But the defense is what's really been bringing them down in league. Uh, giving up almost one and a half per game makes them the worst in the league in that regard. I think this is a team that's probably going to get relegated based on their goal differential. I don't think they'll even be in an RPO match. They advanced to this final in the semis over number three from their own league, San Cristobal. Team's current form, well, they just earned a 1-1 draw at number 13 in their league, Abisa Islas Pitiosas, and that snapped a three-match losing streak. Bring forth the bonus matches! First and foremost, thank you so much to everybody who takes the time to vote in our polls on Twitter to help determine what this content is going to be. That's right. You get to decide. Find me as Soccer Noob USA on Twitter, if you would, the beginning of every week, usually by Tuesday. I put up the polls with the candidate matches. You vote. Dreamy content gets made. Normally, we start with a first versus last place matchup, but that is the one that our guest is helping us with, which turned into a really long and exciting interview learning all about uh, football from his native country. So instead, let's kick things off for the bonus matches with the theme song for our usual second one. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Oh, but we're not here typically to make fun of them with the adjective like meaningless. We celebrate them in song and with a mini-match preview. These are teams that are perfectly equidistant from the glory of international births, finishing at or near the top of their league and the relegation zone, if their league has it, or at least the ignominy of finishing in last place. The one that you have voted for is a Sunday match from the Premier League of Hong Kong, which is the 11th ranked league in Asia. They've never had it so good just about. That is up 14 spots from a year ago. So right now they just get one team in the Champions League group stage, one team that will get to play in the Champions League playoff round. But that's based on previous metrics. Starting next year, they're going to be sending two or even three teams to international competition and probably no more qualification rounds. I found conflicting information with this league. One team might be getting relegated, but I don't think so. The league just got expanded from eight to 10 teams last year. They're about halfway through the season, by the way. And I tell you all of that with the relegation and uh, the international berths, just for your own edification, these two teams probably don't have to worry about all that stress in the slightest, for better and for worse. Talking about number six, BC Rangers, playing host to number five, Eastern. The table, Eastern, they lead Rangers by three. They trailed number two, Lee Mann, by seven points. There's probably not quite enough season left for them to make a reasonable push. So these guys are probably going home for the season. Rangers, meanwhile, certainly don't have to worry about getting relegated if that's a possibility. They lead number 10 last place. 
HKU23, a youth in a youth stars team, basically, by 14 points. That team hasn't earned a single point. We might see them in a different bonus match before too long. Who knows? You'll find out after this one. When the two teams played earlier this season, Eastern only managed a nil-nil draw at home. Rangers looking to best that result. They play out of an area called Diamond Hill in East Kowloon, which is the most populated area, by the way, in all of Hong Kong. If Diamond Hill is famous for anything, it's for a movie studio there that actually produced the first or first couple of movies of the career of Bruce Lee. So there's a little did you know fact. Uh, the club are called Rangers, by the way. It's not a coincidence. They were actually founded by a Scotsman who lived in the area. The BC, by the way, stands for uh, their sponsor, which I believe is a watchmaking company called Butchun. They won the second division, only league trophy I think they've ever gotten back in 1970-71. Uh, they came back to the top flight after 2018-19. They actually only finished in third place and weren't set to move up with the expanded league or expanding league. But one of the division one teams decided to self-relegate that season. So Rangers got the spot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league. This year, their stats pretty much belie exactly where they are. They're uh, tied for third place in defense, a little bit better than average. They're giving up a little bit under one goal per match. Offense is pretty average. Based on the goal differential, I don't expect this team to really be going much of anywhere. But on the scoring leaderboard with four for them, key player to look for is the singularly named Brazilian named Walter, who plays defender for them. Team's current form, while they're certainly trending right direction, they've won two straight and four of their last five. And now Eastern, they also play out of that major populated area of Kowloon. Uh, interestingly, they've got a relationship with the Portuguese side. I, I wish I had read how this came to be, but there's a third-tier club called Cova de Piedade, and uh, a lot of the young players from this club will go and train over there. 2015-16, uh, they were the first men's professional team to ever win a league with a female manager. That was Chen Yuan Ting, and it is the only title that they've ever won. I believe she moved on to a bigger Chinese league. 2017, uh, they were also the first team from Hong Kong to make the Champions League, the group stage proper at the very least. Last year, they got just a little bit further, one step past the group stage. They made the AFC Cup which is a secondary tournament in Asia, interzonal playoff semifinal. Last year in league, they finished in fourth place. This year, the defense is where they're getting things done. Uh, they have only given up seven goals in 10 matches. Really don't expect much of a shootout in this one, to be perfectly honest. Neither one of them is exactly gifted on the goal scoring side. Uh, nevertheless, they do have a player on the scoring leader board, basically the top 10 with four. And then is Sun Ming Him, 22 years old winger. Despite his young age, he's already got 15 national team caps starting from 2019. Team's current form, uh, their one to win at number eight, Wofu Taipo, snapped a two-match losing streak. Our first bonus match this episode took us from the great teams and the great events from around the world to a little bit more mediocrity that we celebrated. This time we're going to get to know two teams before they disappear into oblivion of a second division somewhere. This is the match of... Disappointed! 
and scored is probably appropriate. Sometimes we make fun of them. Sometimes we just want to get to know these teams before they probably get relegated. The one that you have voted for this week is a Saturday match from the Premier League of Zambia, where they're almost two-thirds of the way through the season. By the way, this is the 14th-ranked league in all of the African Confederation. That's really critical because normally it's only the top 12, is my understanding, that get to send multiple teams to the next year's Champions League. Presumably based on previous year's rankings, this year they are still going to send two teams out of this particular league to the Champions League, even though they're ranked number 14 right now, and then two as well to the secondary international tournament there, the Confederations Cup. On the other, much more relevant side for these two uh, egg-sucking sad sacks, either three or four teams are going to get relegated. I found different information from different sources. Either way, these two are prime candidates for suckitude. Number 17, Nkwazi, playing host to number 8, BuildCon. A glance at the table shows us that BuildCon, oh, they're already packing their bags for D2. They trail Nkwazi by 12 points. There's just not going to be any making that up. Nkwazi, they have perhaps a little bit of hope. They trailed the number 14 and 15 teams in the table, and one of those two represents the lowest spot out of the relegation zone. By four points, so not insurmountable. When these two played earlier in the season, and Quasi got one of their rare, perhaps not their only big win of the season, score-wise, they won nil four. And now they get them at home. They have a cool nickname, I think. They are simply called the High Flying. Yeah, not the High Flying anything in particular, simply High Flying kind of interesting and different. They play out of the capital city of Lusaka, and this should have, I think, led to a, perhaps a little bit different of a, a nickname, but they are a directly police-sponsored club. And in fact, they have a number of officers as their players, quite by design. The stadium they play in holds about 6,000 people. That is the Edwin Imboliola, not Imboliola, too many symbols, Imboela Stadium. There we go. This is a team that came up to the top flight just in 2014. Last year, they nearly got relegated, finishing in 14th place. This year, their defense, I still think, gives them some hope to move up. They are, they, they're in the top half of the league in that regard, if just barely. It's not a very high-scoring league. They give up, actually, just a little bit less than one goal per match. The problem for them is on offense, even compared to other teams in this league. They only get three-quarters of a goal on average per match. That puts them in the bottom three. Overall, their goal differential, if their result matches, this is a team that will avoid relegation. But you know they've got to start making some headway now. Three points against BuildCon could go a long way. Team's current form in their last six, ugh, not looking good for them. 0-3-3. They have lost two straight and have not scored in four matches. But there is one team that is worse, and that is BuildCon. Uh, they're not the only BuildCon team in Africa, so presuming it's the same thing, they are sponsored by a big construction company of that name. Though why they're putting their uh, money into uh, this putrid collection of players, I have no idea. They currently play out of the city in, of Endola, which is the third biggest one in the country, has maybe a half a million people there. Uh, if you know the geography at all, it is right on the north central border uh, with the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, this particular city is the economic center of what is known as the Copper Belt. And in fact, although you would spell it with a K, their nickname is Team Kopala. 
K-O-P-A-L-A. But my understanding from my research is it's just a uh, local variation on how to pronounce Copper Belt. This is a team that was only founded in 2012, but they've already moved once to Indola. That was in 2017, the same year that they came up to the Premier League. Don't know if that's coincidence or not, but they were founded on the other side of the country, the far southern province, in a place called uh, Coma or Choma. I don't know if that's a hard or a soft C-H. And their name was different back then, different sponsor it sounds like, as they were known as A.M. Welding. Interestingly, once they got to Division One, this became a very big spending club. But for just one year, they brought in a whole mess of, for at their level, pricey foreign players, managed to stay up, and then they dropped to most of them. I don't think they've gone back down yet, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that trend is about to be broken. Last year, they finished in 10th place. This year, worst offense going in the league. They're getting just over a a goal every other match on average, but the defense is just, oh, I don't even know, beyond horrible, I don't know the proper word. Worst defense by Miles, giving up uh, over two goals per match in this. Again, I'll remind you, very low-scoring league normally. They have the worst goal differential by a factor of better than three. Team's current form, they've lost four straight, no surprise there, since notching their only win of the season. Normally, that match of disappointed is where we end things, but this particular time we switch things around. Our route of the week match that you have voted on is going to end things, and we were fortunate enough that you voted in our Friday offering from the Cypriot First Division. Cyprus's top flight is the 21st ranked league in all of UEFA on the top end of the table. They will send one team to the Champions League third qualifying round next year, another one to the second qualifying round, and then two to the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. On the other end of things, two teams are going to get relegated, and that, as you would imagine by the name, is quite relevant for the route of the week. Your match, number one, Ayek Alarnaka versus number 14, Akritas Chlorakas. Uh, AEK, they currently lead number B, Apoel, on the table by four points. First time, it seems like all season, that we've seen any kind of substantial lead or at least more than one match's worth of three points in this league. Uh, on the other end of things, uh, Akritas, uh, Claracas, they trail number 12, Doxa Catacopia by two. And the 12th position in the table, of course, represents the lowest level at which they would be avoiding the drop zone, getting relegated to the second division. When these two played earlier in the season, Ayak got the road win one to two. But that's all I'm going to tell you about it, at least by myself, because we have held for this esteemed final spot in the show an appearance from our guest, let us hear the long-awaited interview segment now with our good friend Thassos. And so unbelievably, for a second time, we wonder if maybe he's got a, a fever of some kind, the fact that he would uh, uh, dare grace us with his presence again. Uh, he is known as uh, Kefes and Flares on Twitter and is a part of This Is Mappa, one of the two big figures on the Cypriot football show over there we 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 re-welcome thassos thank you so much for coming on the show again thanks for having me i i, I know i know what the show's called this time so uh, i'm well prepared <laughs> no no confusion was yeah well that just makes it more confusing that you would come back knowing we're not some big giant you know you know soccer conglomerate called soccer news 
Uh, well, you know, I I, I I do my charity work sometimes. <laughs> we'll take a pity appearance anywhere that we can get it. I was trying to get somebody this week to uh, come on to talk about the Copa Catalonia as well, but it's hard to get people from every geographic region all over the world exactly when we want them. And so we're so glad that you're able to join us here uh, this time. Tell us, uh, how is everything going with This Is MAPA in your most recent episode? Wow, oh, it, it's... Uh, I, Every week seems to be a crazy week in the in the Cypriot leagues. Um, we've had a, kind of a manager uh, a, a manager turnaround. Garmiodisa, uh, who have had uh, five managers, sacked their sixth one uh, for the season, and uh, that manager was then hired by Omonia Nicosia, who had fired their own manager. At, a minute before uh, it was announced that uh, Garmiandisa had sacked their manager. You know, I, so I remember also, seeing that your most recent episode was uh, had the had the term merry-go-round in the title. I did not realize just exactly how apt that description was. My goodness. Well, exactly. I mean, the, manage, the new manager of Omonia now is on his third job of the season. So he started that, he started the season at Aboel was fired at Abuel, went to Garmiotisa, I think, in January, I want to say, yeah, last month, and then was fired um, just just this week gone uh, and uh, got got another job with Omonia. So, yeah. Well, I guess it's, I, I guess a paycheck is a paycheck, and, and the, the country is sized as such that maybe you're not having to you know, move really, really far. Now, like he headed no, off yeah. to, uh, you know, you know, Portugal or somewhere. So, that's, <laughs> I suppose that's exactly it. Suppose that helps with the expenses. That actually leads me in really well to uh, something I wanted to talk about with you this week. Uh, as you know, we're doing our uh, the Cypriot match of all of our candidates. Uh, one the one the people's voting for route of the week. We've got a roadkill match, and uh, you can correct me on my pronunciation. Of this almost certainly, but. Uh, the last place team that's going to be playing uh, Ayak is uh, Akritas Chlorakas. Am I close? I mean, all the letters are there. So that's good. <laughs> Am I getting my emphases on the wrong syllables? Um... <laughs> it, 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 sort of, yeah. The, the kind of the, the way the Greek works is that you use the soft version of the letter, unless it's a double letter. So it's Agridas. And then chloragas. So the K's are in fact a G, and the uh, T is a D, and so on and so forth. Okay, so only seeing one of those verses, if it happened to be spelled like with two K's, then that would be a harder. Yeah, it would be sound agri- like I like agri- I did. Agri- okay. yeah, exactly. Well, at least or I'm thinking instance, of the right club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 can, I, can, I can spell it. <laughs> I can spell the anglicized <laughs> version anyway, not the Greek or the Greek Cypriot way of doing this. So uh, what I want to lead off then when is this, we talked about the league race so much last week, but I find the, uh, the relegation zone, the back end of these uh, tables nearly as fascinating in some cases, even more fascinating uh, because obviously these are clubs with followings and these are clubs that have uh, financial considerations and everything else, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe I'm answering my own questioning here, or my own question here, segueing this 
from, wow, what's up with all the managerial changes? But uh, in a nation the size of Cyprus, even though I realize they're nearly in the top 20 in the UEFA coefficients now, so a much bigger deal soccer-wise, maybe than population-wise, uh, punching above their weight a little bit. How big a deal is it financially or otherwise to stay in the top division versus getting relegated to the second division when you are a club uh, like uh, Akritas that uh, doesn't spend a lot of time in the top division? Yeah, so actually Akritas, it's their first time in the top division. So what they've done is they've invested uh, in kind of younger players, uh, players with not as much experience, but players that they could maybe in the future sell on. So they've kind of thought of things that way. There are some other clubs in the league that are being threatened with relegation at the moment that have gone a completely different way about it. They've kind of thrown cash at the problem. Uh, so the, the reason being that um, a lot of these clubs have uh, a certain amount of debt already accrued sure. because of just just the nature uh, of, of the clubs that don't have that much support. So, uh, But they do get uh, money from TV deals, sponsorships, etc., 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 which kind of help offset that slightly. However, obviously, you get relegated into a lower division. Your sponsorship money dries up. The TV money dries up. Um, but uh, there's also a minimum wage requirement in Cyprus. So any players you do bring in, regardless of them being in the second division, if it's a professional club, they need to be paid a minimum wage of so many euros a month. So if you're going to maintain a full roster of, uh, let's say, a minimum of 18 players, sure. you need to pay those 18 players the minimum the, the minimum wage at least, if not more, to keep the better players. Sure. Obviously much um, easier to do if you have that TV money than is. Are, are, I mean, I don't want to compare it to the, you know, what the Premier League has, but it's one of the few leagues I have a reference to. But is that is that TV deal or really a big money in Cyprus? Does that make, does that make a huge difference or just a moderate difference with some of these uh, clubs in general financially and with the type of players that they can get? So for instance, for teams like Abuel or Aik or, uh, or Bafos or Omonia, because of their experience, I'll take, I'll take Bafos out of it uh, for, for the time being, just, just for the, for what I'm, I want to say, but, Teams like Abuel, uh, Aik, and Omonia, Nabolon have got historically a, a, a big support. Uh, they've performed better in the league. They've uh, they've entered Europe sometimes as well. So they earn a bit more money. So the TV deal isn't as important to them as some of the other clubs. So that's kind of that's kind of the difference between what's happening in these in the Cypriot League, for instance, and the Premier League, is that in the Premier League the TV deal is a massive, massive, massive amount of money that helps finance the clubs. Whereas the TV deal in Cyprus, it helps fight it helps to finance a great deal for say some of the smaller clubs like Agridas, like Voxa. Uh, Nea Salamina, them kind of teams. 
Right, so, so staying up in the second division or the first division rather than dropping down to the second division for these smaller clubs in a way is an even bigger deal than some of the leagues that I or our, our usual listeners here stateside might be you know familiar with, like with, say, the well, Premier League or La Liga. Exactly. It's to the point where the Cypria FA actually helps to finance teams in the lower leagues. So at the moment, I think the lower league, the, the, the second division clubs get 20,000 euros a year from the Cyprus FA, kind of as, as funding for helping to keep the club running. I think, uh, but I think that's going up next season. I'm not sure, but I think they're going to, they, they're trying to finance, they're trying to help fund uh, a better second division to to kind of help augment kind of the the lower reaches rather than just having the same top six top eight team kind of mix is it up second division team. fully professional by the way yes yes yep. it is and then how about below that do you immediately after that start to run into some more semi-professional situations or exactly exactly so you've got uh in the third in the third division you've got some teams that are semi-professional. You've got some teams that are uh, that are amateur, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, players earning enough of a wage to make a living in the third division. But you'd probably be looking at say maybe one or two or maybe three players, whereas everybody else is kind of paid on a pay as you uh, paid as you play basis or. Or that kind of thing, or more to do with bonuses. They, they might be doing some stuff in the off season, at the very least, to kind of help the 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 microeconomics at home. I take it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, but wow. yeah, the any re- relegation is obviously a, a big problem for a lot of teams. Um, there's, for instance, because Agritas have kind of got their uh, they already had their finances in order so a relegation for them isn't necessarily the be all and end all but there's a couple of other teams in the fight for relegation at the moment that if they go down they will have a lot of trouble kind of bringing themselves back above the water again Gotcha. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Akritas uh, in the uh, in the field and in the game. What do we need to know about them from a strictly uh, on the pitch standpoint? Uh, what we like to do with the route of the week is talk about rather than make fun of these teams like we do in one of our other uh, segments, the match disappointed where we just look at two but last place teams. With the route of the week, we like to take that last place team and say, what hope do they have in general and in this match? What, if anything, can they do to give themselves a shot to win and who's going to be a part of that potentially? Yeah, so the, the team that Agritas have is uh, their, their, um, their basis is on kind of the useful side of things. So they have the youngest average age squad in the league. At the moment, uh, and what what that does is obviously that makes a lot of these the, the kind of the way they set up they set up on kind of very fast pace, try to get the ball forward quickly, try to uh, try to create something, mostly on the counter attack. They have um, they they have a lot of 
skill as well. They're, there's definitely very skillful players in the team. Uh, and in some cases, they've actually come up with a couple of surprise results. So, for instance, in the first game of the season, they beat Omonia 1-0. Um, uh, that's, uh, and yeah, that that started kind of a big, that provided a big question mark for the beginning of the season for Omonia. And that's kind of lingered across the whole season for the team to the point where I think they're in fifth at the moment, but their performances uh, have led to two managers. Um, and another, they've had a couple of surprise results like that to the point where um, Stell, who's the uh, the other uh, the other half of this is Mappa, has has labelled has labelled them agridas because they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> Clever. Well, they were for uh, in orthosis. I know they beat them uh, earlier in the season from what I'm seeing. And uh, exactly, that, yeah, a team that I'm less familiar with, Enosis, uh, Enosis uh, Paralimni. Yep. So that's one of the other relegation candidates at the moment. They 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 uh, have got a bit more history in the first division. However, they they uh, they're not quite a yo-yo club, but they do go down a lot and they do come back up a lot. Um. So uh, they. Basically, any time Agridas gets uh, any kind of result, it's pretty much a shock because just because of the relative uh, inexperience of the team in general historically sure, of being think, in yeah. this position. I saw that their team leading score, and I don't know if that's a really big deal at this level or not, uh, was uh, a 21-year-old, uh, I'm going to say kid just because I'm old, but a Brazilian, Reginaldo Ramirez. I take it he's one of those players. Well, I don't know if they'll exactly be selling him on. He's on load from uh, the reserve side of uh, Red Bull Bragantino over in Brazil. But if they were to get a get him on contract, I'm assuming that they would uh, try to push him to a top ten league within a couple of years. Right? Yeah. 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 But there's a, there's a, there's a few players like that. So, for instance. In January, they signed a, a striker called Vasco Lopez as well. So he's been performing very well for them. So Matias Clemente. Uh, Matias Clemente is a very good midfielder. Um, he's he scored a very good goal uh, last match day. He, uh, and yeah, he's one to look out for. Very tricky midfielder. Uh, very good at, uh, very good at passing, very good with the skills. He's, uh, he's very good. Vasco Lopez, the same. I think I already mentioned him. Very good striker. Their goalkeeper as well has had a couple of uh, very good performances over the season. This uh, Glidon Berndreu, um, where he's it's got to a point where he's actually keeping out an ex uh, Aston Villa goalkeeper from being in the team. So he's uh, he's been doing very well. Another player is a a player called Abraham. He's he's kind of the elder statesman of the team. He's uh, he's in his late thirties. Uh, provided a lot of experience for the team. It takes it takes the team's penalties. He scored a couple. Uh, there's there's a, there's a few players in that team that can cause a problem if you let them. All right. So uh, 
what if anything do you think can or should happen for them to have a uh, have a chance at uh, upsetting uh, Larnaca Friday? Um, well, well, the first thing would be for them all to to kind of hit 100, 150%. They, they need to work very, very hard. They need to close out the wings. The big thing about Ajax is every time we've seen, every time we've seen highlights of Ajax games, all, a lot of their attacks come from the wings, cross after cross after cross. The uh, And I spoke about it previously as well, as they overload the box. So, all they're waiting for is somebody to just deliver that ball into the box and then somebody is bound to get their heads on it. And if they don't, then somebody like Altman or Farage would be able to take it, kind of invert their runs, come into the box and take oh. their own take their own chances. Yeah, Omri Altman first and foremost. I think he still leads that team in goals, if not quite the league. I know uh, Gyro or Hyro does that, but... Yeah, Omri Altman's been incredible for them this year for Ajax. Yeah, yeah exactly. As, as has Farage. Farage is um, is Stell's favorite player, kind of in the league at the moment. Uh, to the point where, I mean, both me and him have Farage in our fantasy team. <laughs> he's he's very good. Now, the other thing that Agri does need to worry about is. Uh, a new signing that Ajax made on deadline day is Nemanja Nikolic. Now I don't know I don't know if, if you've heard of it, but some some MLS uh, fans will know of him because he has been top goal scorer uh, in in a season in the MLS. Really, who did um, he play for over there? Do you happen to remember Nikolic? Uh, Chicago Fire. Okay. Between 2017 and 2019. Okay, so right, yeah, he was he was right on the edge of when I first started following the the team, and uh, I'm going to assume this is not his first stop since playing over here. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of experience. So prior to, uh, well, as well as being at Chicago Fire, he's been at a few other teams as well. He's been at places like Ligia Warsaw. He's been at Videoton in his uh, native Hungary. So he's been top goal scorer in Hungary three times. Wow. He's been that's, top that's, goal not a, that's not a bad league, especially at the top. No, exactly. He's been top top goal scorer in the extra class as well in Poland. In Poland. that's a, That was a better league, a stronger league in the coefficients when I first started following the game. But even so, Legia Warsaw, I'm sure, is one of those teams that hasn't slipped all that much. That's one of their... Uh, that's one of the big boy clubs over there, as I as I yeah. understand it, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then obviously, he was top goal scorer in the MLS with Chicago Fire as well. And everywhere he's been, he scored goals. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the stats here for Chicago Fire. He scored 51 goals in 96 games. So Ayak have had it, he added even more more fire more firepower to a team that's obviously already in the lead. And for the first time since I really started paying you know heavy attention to Cyprus this year, actually has more than a three point lead, has more than a one match lead in the table. Let's talk exactly. a little bit about the top of the table. Uh, do you want to talk about your prediction, by the way, from last time, or no? Would that be bad no, for my no, mother? No, 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 no. It's it's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I am more than happy to talk about it. Um, what 
that it, it was quite a strange game because the first goal that Abuel conceded against Ike was in the second minute and the defensive errors uh, for the set piece were uh, intense. Like I'd never seen that kind of performance from this defence all season. And it happened within two minutes. Because mm, that's and how well is a real bread and butter, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, they're, they're still, even though they conceded the two goals that they conceded against Ajax, they're still the best defence in the league by a long shot. So they've only conceded, conceded 11 goals in 22 games now. Uh, and then the next best are Ayel and Bafos, who've conceded 16. So, uh, and Bafos have played a game more. Uh, so there's uh, the the defense is the whole job, and they messed it up. They messed it up um, to the I mean, point it's, where it was their fault that you got the score right, but the uh, but, but the ultimate result wrong because you did call it as a one-two game. I did, I did. Yep, but I called it one-two, not two-one. And and yet you know. Uh, Yet they're obviously not completely out of the race at only four points back at 49 points. Um, I don't know how big a deal it is for Pathos to have that, uh, not have, or uh, for the other two to have a match in hand. Uh, is there enough of the season left to reasonably say that Pathos are still well in this for the title race? Or are their hopes fading a little bit as the league approaches the, uh, the championship round relegation round split that is coming? Well, it's so that's where things get very interesting because obviously with the splits, you've got the top six that play each other twice. So that's 10 games, that's 30 points to play for. Now, because of the way that the top six is working, uh, in theory, you're going to have the best six teams in the league competing against each other. So everybody's going to drop points. Everybody's going to gain points. You're going to have... Uh, quite a few changes that occur. Bafos, I think, uh, I think maybe if uh, Ike and Abuel slip up these next couple of games, then Bafos have got better uh, a better shout. The issue that Bafos have is the points that they've dropped, not not the losses, but the amount of draws. Because if you have a look, the top four have got the same amount of losses. It's just the drop points are coming from the draws that both, not just Bafos, but also Aris as well, have drawn a lot of their games. Yeah, our, I, I saw Aris was at seven draws, and then down at the other end of the table, uh, uh, Olympiacos, that they're at seven draws, and they're uh, and then you've got uh, and then you've got Paphos right behind them at six draws. That you're right. That's a dozen dropped points right there. Yeah. Uh, so with that, with you know, you get. Two of those draws, you, you you turn them into wins, and you know they're uh, they're right up there again. So, and as you said, with the championship round coming, there's a lot of volatility. And you actually beat me to the punch on a question. I was pretty sure that once they make the split, that they do a home and away double round robin. But I have seen uh, leagues like uh, apples and oranges. I know, but like Lebanon, when they make the split, they only do a single round robin. And I thought, wow, that's really. <laughs> I'm glad they do a double. That seems a little bit fair, but that does give Pathos, you know, some time and some volatility, plenty of matches to make up for those draws that they've had. I'm going to guess that you're still seeing uh, Ayak and Apoel as finishing in the Champions League spots. Would that be fair by 
the time all is said and done? Yeah, yeah. I think for for Abuel, it's uh, it, they they need to get into those European places uh, just on a financial basis because they've they've missed out on the Champions League and Europa League now for a couple of seasons, and along with the amount of spending that they did, they kind of built up almost like a Galacticus team a couple of seasons ago. They had Mick McCarthy in charge. They had uh, they they made all these kind of uh, intense signings to try and get somewhere, uh, and they ended up finishing outside the top six. So obviously, they still had to pay all these wages. Yeah, uh, if they don't make and, it to the Champions League this year, could we see a sell off for Applewell coming in a little bit of a rebuild or no? Yes, definitely. I mean, the way the the way the clubs work in Cyprus, it's basically a rebuild at the beginning of every season. Anyway, there's a lot, a lot of player turnover um, during the tran- during the transfer windows. There's a lot of players that get released. A lot of players are only on one year contracts. A lot of uh, a lot of players that uh, come with promises. Uh, those promises are met, and they decide to walk away. There's a there's a, there's a few things like that. There's a very high turnover of of playing stuff, and uh, even at, even at the top level, I would have I would have guessed that that was the case for some of the mid tier and below clubs. But that's the case even for teams like Ajax and Applewell as well. Yep. 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 Not not so much for Ajax. Ajax have kept uh, quite a lot of the team that they had last season. They've kept this season as well and kind of augmented uh, uh, augmented their team kind of around the sides. Whereas uh, Abuel, they kind of, they've always rung the changes in the summer. So regardless of how a player's performed, if, if a player stays two or three seasons, it's uh, it, it's it's quite a surprise for, for a team like Abuel. Abuel turn over their uh, playing staff quite a lot, whereas you've got some other teams like, uh, I want to say, Omonia, uh, where they they have a few players there that's, that last two or three seasons uh, longer. So if a player only lasts one season, they consider, it's considered a negative. Whereas Abuel is there, okay, you've you've done your job for the season. Thanks very much. Off you go. Next one, please. Thanks. That's just absolutely fascinating to me because I, it's just not something I would have guessed at. You mentioned uh, uh, Omonia uh, Nicosia. I'm hoping that I'm saying both of those right. Yeah. Um, is does it have to do with the fact that they're sort of the uh, the secondary team within the city? Would that be a, a fair guess oh, on my part? Oh, you need to be careful with that. Careful <laughs> I, with I assume that. Apoel is the most supported one, but clearly I would have kicked a hornet's nest if I were uh, 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 making that guess and we're closer to the nation of Cyprus. <laughs> well, so Apoel, ha- they are the most decorated team. And Omonia was started from a split within Abuel because of politics. However, the Omonia and Abuel both argue that each other is the top team. It's a bit like uh, it's a bit like in Man United, Man City. You're um, just trying to think of other uh, cities that uh, that have 
to oh to sure any, any but here in yeah. america we've got you know new york red bulls and nycfc and i'm not but sure yeah, which team is the more supported one but i'd be surprised if one had the lion's share of their local audience versus the other so i get what you're getting at there that's that's very and uh and ammonia they're on the edge of uh they're right on the cusp of not even making the top half well yeah exactly so that's that's another thing there is uh there's a lot of internal politics going on at the top end at the top end of the club at the moment which has led to fan unrest it's also led to uh sporting directors leaving the managers being hired that don't necessarily have the required experience uh other people kind of uh, getting involved and throwing things in the air marketing people there's a, there's all there's all kinds of stuff going on at the top level at Ammonia, which is reflecting kind of down yeah, certainly uh, on the pitch lately the pitch. i see they're on a three match uh three match uh, winless streak right now yep Yep, which is what led to the um, the release of the latest manager. The the, the two of the, the two losses were on the road, so that's kind of too bad. Yeah, yeah, which is which is what the what what uh, Yannick Ferrara, who was the manager, that's exactly what he said uh, on social media because he had he had twenty five points in thirty out thirty three, I think. And everybody was praising him. And then over these last three games, he seems to have lost all that goodwill he had built to the point where he was uh, he was relieved of his duties. Yeah, that's really something. I see in the four-match win streak that uh, preceded the, the more recent stretch that I just mentioned. I mean, they didn't even concede a single goal. So at the very least, yeah, at the very least, half the team was playing incredibly well. They were on quite a run. Yeah, no, they, oh, they were seven, seven of eight, no less. Although one of those was a a cup match. Now that I look at it, yeah, but there's 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 stories littered all over the league like that. So, for instance, Abolon, they're the team that won the championship last year, and uh, they just played a game tonight uh, against Garmiodisa, who's another one of these promoted teams. They were winning three one, and they lost four three. And in the press conference, their manager just basically turned just just turned up and said, "Right, well, that's my last game in charge of this team." So, well, yeah, so did he? Really... Did he quit, or did he had he been told he was being sacked, or? I don't know. I don't know. I, he, he said he said he's not a quitter, and then announced he was leaving. So, uh, but there's things like that again. I'm going back to this things like that all over the place. Um, the uh, IL is a team that spent a lot of money on bringing all these experienced players, uh, players like Muriel, Kevin Miralas, Aaron Shibola, uh, all all this business, uh, but for them to challenge for first place, and they're sat in eighth at the moment. My goodness. All right, let's wrap up our our look at the table. I'm gonna can I can I squeeze you for another prediction, but this time for our route of the week. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. How, do, how, how do you feel? Uh, I have a feeling I know what you'll predict. The score might be trickier, but uh, Ajax at home versus uh, Agritas. How do you see it going? 
Yes. Yeah, so what what I'm doing? Apologies if people can hear me tapping. I'm just checking <laughs> what I've actually predicted. So I said it was going to finish. Where is it? Four one. Four one. Okay. So you and Stell made you and Stell made your own predictions for the matches this coming week as well. I take it. No. So 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 it's 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 what I do on the Gaffes and Flares Twitter account is I put. I put the predictions that I've made and I make them available for people to look at and ridicule. <laughs> very, very, um, very generous of you. We always, we, we will always try to be fair. I think it's very nice that you have, to, that you have, uh, let on that you think uh, Agritas are, are going to get, uh, I'm assuming it's a count. You see them getting maybe a late counter attack goal once, uh, once they've all started making some subs. Um, no, not necessarily. So, um, Agridas have actually been very, very unlucky uh, the last three or four games where um, penalty decisions seem to have gone not their way. Uh, kind of the, the, the I, I'm not sure what they've done to the referees in the league, but they seem <laughs> to have gotten eye for Agridas, um, which, uh, so, and I'm I'm saying that the goal that they will score will be a penalty. Gotcha. Okay. Get some of that youth running around, good pace, draw a foul of some kind. All right. So Ag- Agritas, uh, you know, uh, uh, them climbing towards their goal of staying up aside for this particular match. Uh, by the end of the season, do you see them being able to get above teams like Olympiaxos or uh, – uh, Doxa uh, Catacopia or some other ones, or do you think they're going down? Uh, so, uh, it's it's yeah, they're going down. <laughs> yeah, I was going to try and be I was going to try and be nice about it, but no, I I see them I see them going down. Um, I think Olympiagos is Olympiagos as well are going to go. I think they're. Uh, they're just it's just not happening for them. Again, too many draws. Whereas Voxa, uh Voxa and Baralimni is going to be a bit difficult to call between the two teams. So Baralimni have obviously got the four point gap from Voxa. But oh, are there Voxa... three teams going down, not just two? Yeah, exactly. There's three okay, teams I had down. misremembered from now. Will that third team will they be playing in a relegation playoff or are they uh, with the second division? No, 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 no relegation playoff. So, so uh, the way that the, so you've got the top six and then the bottom eight. So the bottom eight will also end up playing each other twice. And um, the, the the thinking for me is that Doxa seem to get. A few more results against these uh, against these bottom level teams. Uh, they've got a very experienced striker up front uh, who has uh, who has scored a lot of goals for them. Uh, he's got a lot of. Uh, uh, he just has a lot of goals in him. He's, so who do you think Doc? Um, who do you think Doxa can catch? Uh, Paralimni or uh, one of the yeah, other? Uh, I think Carmia Tissa. I think Carmiodisa uh, have got have got enough about them now to kind of stay up, even though they're one of those teams, <laughs> one of those teams that have uh, um, have changed their manager too many times. Mm. Yeah. 
I just see they've got a lot better offense than any of the teams around them in the table. So, you know, as long as they can outshoot enough teams, I would think that they're going to be able to hold their position in the exactly. That, that defense think... is uh, that defense is certainly of theirs is bottom three, and I can't see that getting any better with the managerial changes necessarily, unless they no, yeah, really that, that, decide that... to focus on it. Well, yeah, their defense is is a big problem. The but you know they've got they've got nine points on on Baralimni and they've got uh, what's that thirteen points on Doxa, which is in 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 that third relegation place. So I don't I don't see them I don't see them getting dragged into it. Uh, but yeah, so I was just looking up these statistics on Sadiq, who is the uh, Who's the player who who was talking about for Doxa? So he he has got uh he's got thirty and four he's got thirty goals in forty two games in his first stint for the club, and since twenty twenty he's got thirty four goals in eighty two games. Now bearing in mind he hasn't scored yet this season, so he has played twenty games where he hasn't scored yet this season. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so he's not been performing to at the level he's normally known for. But you would expect that to to improve now that obviously uh you know the bottom eight is uh, being formed. So yeah, he's only going three to or four formed. matches away from that split now, I believe, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. And then on the on the top side of things, uh um do you think the order of the top three is going to remain the same and uh, Paphos is going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to the Champions League or what's your call there at the moment? Uh, I'd like – it's it's a difficult one to gauge. Uh, I, all three teams have invested very well in uh, in January. So we already spoke about Ayek and their, uh, and their signing of Nikolic. Right. Uh, Bacos as well. So – they have the top goal scorer in the league at the moment, but they also invested in uh, Bruno, who was the who was at the time the second top goal scorer in the league and play, was playing for Omonia. So they've they've kind of I won't say augmented their strike force, but they've definitely it, they've improved it to a certain point. Um, there's also another player at Bafos who started who started after Christmas. It's kind of just started performing for them. Is uh, Eric Hespad? Is a Nor uh, is a Norwegian uh, attacking midfielder who's been doing very well for him at the moment. So Bafos are definitely still in it. Abuel, uh, we, I think we spoke about it last time. They signed Federico Macheda, who used to play for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've signed him on loan, but they've also signed somebody called Elfa Duben. And I recommend people look up the goal he scored last match day, the free kick. It's uh, it's mwah. <laughs> Chef's it, kiss. That is quite the it, endorsement. It, it really is. It really is. If you want, if you want, I'll send you it. I've got a. Somebody did a, 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 a GIF or a GIF, however you want to pronounce it. Of, I pronounce it alternating ways. And I'm old and not cool. I have no idea. <laughs> so I'll send you it so you can see. It, it really is as a. I, 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 I labeled it Ben it like Beth Beckham. 
<laughs> that's a, that's a phrase that we hear because of the movie of nothing else even casual soccer fans are familiar with yeah. that phrase over here the one other team at the top you mentioned them earlier they're in fourth place right now they're your lead defending champions of memory serves uh, aris got their full 10 points out behind uh Ayak now do you feel like they are they making any investments or just with the team they've got in place and the experience they have do you think that they can make a push at least for second with the league split coming and getting to play, or if they just dug themselves too deep a hole. Yeah, no, they, they, they've, again, they've drawn too many games. They went, uh, at one point, they went six games, straight draws, just draw, 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 draw. And um, that's... We call that um, kissing your sister here in the States when you get a draw, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the stretch that you're talking about. It, it was more used for for American style football before they had overtime, where even then you know, ties, as we call them, were were very very rare. They, they yeah, kissing your sister. It was not the, you know, it wasn't a loss, but it wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> but I see they've won three straight. So if they're going to make a yeah. run, they're certainly getting you know off. You know, they're certainly going to be heading into the champions round. It looks like potentially on a pretty nice streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is where you need to find the form, and they seem to have picked it up again. The problem with with Aris is that so they've got a very very attractive style of play, uh, very fast paced, very forward thinking, uh, blast it forward, try and get goals, try and get shots. They they try shots from everywhere, crosses, everything, everything you want. Very fast paced, very high energy, but what? But they seem to miss a lot of their chances, and it, their defense is also quite open. And yeah, that's I'm going to say more... there's nothing about their defensive stats that I'm seeing that leads me to believe that they're tracking well enough back on defense that they can afford to get away with, you know, that style of offense all the time. Not not if they want to head somewhere other than the conference league next year. Well, yeah, I mean, so so this so last season they. They qualified for Europe for the first time in the Conference League, I think. So they did. They did come fourth, fourth or fifth. I can't remember. They must, no, it was fourth. It must have been fourth because on one year I won the cup and they were in the relegation group. So yeah, um, yeah. So they came fourth last year. So I, I think they've pretty much got that fourth place solid again. I don't think I don't think they're going to go up or down from that point. Yeah, uh, wait, yeah, I, think... I can't I can't see uh, uh, what is a Nia uh, Nia Salamia. I can't see them catching. There's a big gap right there. So they are the success story of uh, the league campaign because they were they were promoted last season. Yeah, they've kind of been a yo-yo team. I feel like I saw that yeah. team name a couple of years ago, but I gather they kind yeah. of go back and forth. Yeah, well. They... Kind of, kind of. Um, they uh, they've not been they've not been very successful, but there was a stint a while back where they had like something like 10, 12 seasons in a row of being in the league, and then then they got relegated, and then they just seemed to be going up and down. However, they've got a very good manager, uh, very highly rated on this is Mappa, uh, and. Uh, in Sars Poseididis, um, it's, it's it's a name. It's a name and a half to try and pronounce. But um, <laughs> I have enough trouble with the shorter ones. <laughs> yeah, 
when it comes to anybody uh, with that many letters in their name, I'm going to call him Hey You, Chief, or Bub. Oh, we call him Bursa. So he, he his his brand of football, we call it Bursa Ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's that's something even my American tongue can get can get by and pronounce Bursa. Gotcha. Yeah, that, but yeah, he's um, he's he's done uh, he's done he's done wonders with the club. Um, and there's the thinking that he's going to be poached by a bigger club uh, next season. I think he's waiting till this season's finished before he thinks about uh, his his next career choice. But he's 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 got them he's got them doing wonders. Wow, well, he's got them doing wonders. Sure. What a, I, I'm trying to think if there's a club that we haven't talked about. It's the route of the week, first versus last, and we have. Uh, yeah, we've yeah, talked about everybody except for maybe AEIL or AEL Limassol has gotten a, a look from us. We can save them. <laughs> we can save one team for a different time. You know, I used to talk about early on in the show, um, I used to kind of lead off as part of my intro or tagline that the purpose, one of the purposes for this show for, you know, newer and probably fellow American fans like me who are more acclimated to other sports, but want to get into soccer and want to find out what makes the whole world tick this once you really really get into a league you know this is what it sounds like folks this is you know we here at this show we know a little tiny bit about everything but that's why we're so appreciative when we get get somebody to come on and talk about the sport especially since he has a show that this is where you know eventually i want people listening to my show to not need to listen to my show unless they're entertained by it. I want to graduate people as they find other leagues and personalities within those leagues and people covering those leagues that are really, really like interest, you know, that are really interesting shows like this is Mappa and the way that you all talk about the show and the in-depth knowledge you have. Anybody who's listening to this show who isn't familiar with yours, go check out. This is Mappa. This is the type of content and coverage that I want you to be moving towards you will be you will be missed but if you love the game enough and then you end up loving cyprus enough from hearing stuff like this this is mappa you know we're the journey that's the destination so it's just been absolutely exciting and fast i hope our listeners just even get a tenth as excited about the whole scene in the country and the football and the layout of it and the the drama the merry-go-round of the coaches it's just absolutely fascinating we've got some analogous things that happen in american sports but the more i cover it the more i realize uh the differences actually outweigh the similarities it is a whole different fascinating animal the drama the drama it's it's like it's like watching a mexican soap opera it's (laughs) it really is i always talk about uh, my friends who don't like watching baseball i'm like oh i don't care what two teams are playing because there's always drama and you never know, like that goal that you're going to link me to. Thank you for that, by the way. You yeah. never know what you're going to see any given day. I remember as a uh, guy in my young 20s, I, I went with a bunch of my radio station staff to a minor league baseball game. And imagine that it would be the equivalent of the uh, the fifth division, if there even is one in Cyprus. It's, you know... It's the the lowest. It's the lowest season where they're actually playing a full slate of games, but probably a third of the kids are still you know high school age, 
And yet I went to one of and yet I went to one of those games with my radio station staff, and it'll probably be the no only no hitter any of us ever see. The other two, we we stood up and applauded the other team's pitcher. He went the whole way and didn't give up a single hit. It's the same thing with soccer. You never know when you're going to get that incredible clearance that, you know, see that horrific foul, you know, watch that amazing you know, free kick or penalty kick or a goal within the run of play. And then just, you know, having all this knowledge about the league, you know, like Cyprus's first division built up around it. So we have all the context to help us know what it means just this is why I started doing this a year and a half ago. Thank you so much for being willing to, you know, you know, take this time and kind of, you know, share that knowledge and that passion and that, and that joy with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Sure. And when can we expect, uh, I know that your most recent one just came out a couple of days ago, the merry-go-round episode. When we, can we expect, do you think our, uh, the next episode of this is Mappa on YouTube? Oh, see now. Um, so my co-host is going on the holiday to Cyprus next week. So he's telling me that uh, we won't have an episode uh, next week. I think after what happened tonight, I, he's going to change his mind. But we'll see. <laughs> that 4-3 shootout you think will have an effect on him, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he was the one that was sending me messages telling me, they, they had 10 minutes of injury time. And in the seventh minute, they had to stop the game because the fans were throwing chairs onto the pitch. Oh, my goodness. Bottles <laughs> is one thing, but entire chairs. That just sounds like too much work. I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> yeah, it's specifically, this this club's fans, they, they love throwing their chairs. But, yeah, uh, I really – I. either way, we normally release them on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so, uh, look out for them. Sure. And we'll be passing that along when those come out, we pass along links to our favorite shows. So soccer noob USA is ours on Twitter. We can point you in the right direction for this is Mappa, although it's a pretty easy get Thassos. Thank you so much. Once again, for joining us, uh, as, as the drama ramps up, uh, within the Cypriot first division, who knows, we may have cause to try to beg you to come on again. <laughs> Oh, yeah, now it's time to get the big boy pants on. <laughs> oh, 